This is The Playbook. Welcome to Office Hours. This is the Legends uh, edition of Office Hours. If you haven't noticed, when you bring on people like Tony Hawk, Mike Tannenbaum, and Tim Kennedy, there's also the legend of legends. And I was giddy when Marshall Goldsmith, the gold standard of world thought leaders and the gold standard of executive coaches, said yes to coming on Office Hours to join the legendary host that I have. Marshall Goldsmith, welcome to Office Hours. Thank you so much for inviting me. So I've been blessed like you with many honors. Some mean something, some don't. But people ask me, which ones do I think mean the most? And I will always tell them that I'm a top 100 Marshall Goldsmith executive coach. And Marshall Goldsmith has been a legend from afar and now is a executive coach of mine and a legend near changed my life and not only is a number one everything number one executive coach in the world number one thought leader number one new york times bestseller um but he walks the walk i was a little bit intimidated marshall when i met you but the number one quality that i saw in your genius was something that i needed to learn or to keep practicing and that was humility you actually coach some of the most famous people in the world, the biggest executives in the world, billionaires, world-changing thought leaders and politicians. How important to you is the lessons of humility that you teach and coach in executive coaching? Uh, I think it is critically important for leaders more today than ever before. Two of the great leaders that you've met that I coached, Alan Mulally, probably the greatest corporate leader in the world in the last 30 years, turned around Ford, CEO of the year, the employees all loved him. He had a good habit. When someone asked him for an idea, you know what he'd say? Is there anyone else in the company knows more about this than me or any man we could hire nobody knows more than me? If they said, well, maybe, I said, you know what he'd say, then why am I, why am I speaking? Don't <laughs> talk. Because <laughs> I'll do more harm than good. Another great person you met is Hubert Jolie, former CEO of Best Buy. And he stood up in front of everybody in that company and said, I have a coach. I get feedback. I'm trying to improve. Please help me. So these are great, great leaders that have documented mega turnarounds. And both to me are huge examples of humility in a very positive way. So I was just on, on with the coach the other day. It was actually, I, I was on my way out here, flying out here, and I was talking with the coach. And as I was speaking with him, I was wondering, like, am I receiving this the right way? Like, am I, am I a good learner here? Am I a good student? What would you say is, like, the thing to, to take coaching from someone like yourself and make myself better? Like, what are the char characteristics that need to happen for that, that to come to reality? Well, what I say is, you know, ask everyone around you for confidential feedback. Find out how you're doing. Pick what you need to improve. And then we practice something called feed forward. Go back and say, here's what I've learned. I feel good about this. I got one thing to do better. For example, I want to be a better listener. I'm not going to ask you for more feedback about the past. Give me ideas for the future. Then you follow up, follow up, and follow up with this process. And we have evidence from you know 86,000 people in a huge study I published that people get better. It's easy to understand, but hard to do. It takes courage to look in the mirror. And as you mentioned earlier, it takes humility to admit you can improve, and it takes discipline to do the day-to-day-to-day -to -day -to -day work to get better. Nobody gets better because they read a book or they have a coach. They have to work. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So you've, you're the number one executive coach. You've got all these accolades. I mean, what are you? Or do you have your own coach? Like, what does that look like for you? What does your <laughs> consistent learning pattern look like? 
Uh, very good question. People ask me this one all the time. Do you have a coach? You know, uh, I practice something called the daily question process. So what you do is you make a list of questions which represent what's most important in your life. And then every day you fill out this form. And at the end of the week, you get a report card. Do I have a coach? I have someone call me on the phone almost every day for the past 25 years to help me. Why? My name is Marshall Goldsmith. I got ranked number one leadership thinker coach in the whole world. I'm too cowardly and undisciplined to do any of this stuff by myself. I need help. And you know what? It's okay. We all need help. I'm no different. I love it. And you have a paradigm that says every breath is a new me. What does that paradigm mean? Well, I'm a, I'm a Buddhist. I'm not a religious Buddhist. I'm a philosophical Buddhist. And a good Buddhist philosophy is this. Every time you take a breath, it's a new me. Whatever you did in the past was done by an infinite set of people called the previous me's. And a couple of ways this is really helpful. One is self-forgiveness. Think of all those previous me's in your past and think of all the gifts they've given you that's here right now. Think of you, the gifts they've given the person that's talking to me today. If any group of people gave them any nice things, what should you say to those people? Thank you. Thank you. Now, did they make a little mistake or two? Uh, who's the first person we need to learn to forgive? Let's forgive this person. Absolutely. And, you know, I teach from learning from you about credibility. I think credibility is one of the things that's most overlooked, especially in sales. People are so busy dumping features and benefits that they don't realize by overselling, backend selling, lying, manipulating, and cheating, most of the time unintentionally or unaware of what they're doing because of a need to make a sale, that that credibility uh, has been lost. And now people are looking for what you're not saying instead of what you're trying to articulate as far as value goes. Uh, you taught me that credibility has to be learned twice. Can you explain why credibility is something that, number one, is so important, but two, why does it have to be earned twice? Well, credibility is you're believable, you're trusted, and obviously anyone wants to be credible with their clients or credible with the important people in their lives. What I mean by earned twice is this. One, you need to do great work. You're not going to have credibility just because you're good at sales. Ultimately, you have to have something to sell. You have to have a product. You have to do great work. Two, though, which is totally different than one, you have to be recognized for doing great work. And now you mentioned a good point, David. Sometimes people oversell. And in my book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, most of that book is about overselling, trying to win too much, trying to be right all the time. And Peter Drucker said, we're not here on earth to prove we're smarter, right? We're here to make a positive difference. Well, the question is, is this effort to promote myself doing more good or harm toward making a positive difference? And David, as you said, if it's doing more harm, you're overselling, quit doing it. On the other hand, David, very interesting point, not so much in sales, but in executive coaching, in HR, a lot of people I work with have the opposite problem. They don't promote themselves enough. In fact, more of the people I meet in my classes, my CEO clients tend to oversell. Most of the people I meet in my class say they undersell. And I asked them if they undersell three questions to help them. One, I said, if you became more, more influential and powerful, will the world be worse off or better off? They invariably say better off. Two, does it make you uncomfortable to be more powerful and influential? They say, yes. I say, three, what's more important to you? Making the world better or being comfortable? <laughs> it's so simple. And so, so <laughs> we got plenty of time. Let's keep rocking and rolling. Well, what's the source of today's existential crisis? What is what? <laughs> um, 
So today's existential crisis, what do you think is the source of that? Oh, today's existential crisis. Um, I spent 600 hours with my friend Mark Thompson over the COVID period. And I think we do have much more of a sense of existential crisis today than in the past. One thing about COVID it made us look at that we're not used to look at it and don't like to look at a whole lot is called death. Well, you had to think a lot about people dying. You saw that on TV all the time, so those numbers being generated of people dying. You start thinking, what does all this stuff mean? So I think today there is a much more existential crisis of meaning. My book, The Air and Life, has good, good timing on the book. Why? It's a book about what does life mean and what does it all matter at a time when that's a lot of what people are thinking about now. I'd say more now than any time in my lifetime. I have a question. As you're working with all these influential you know, CEOs, executives, is their life going exactly how it was planned out? Like, you, <laughs> like you, you look at them and you just think, man, did they plan that? Did they plan to be there at that time in that moment? I mean, my life certainly didn't go as it was planned out. I was brought up in a small town in Kentucky, and when I went to school, we had an outhouse the first four years. So I wasn't really planning on writing four New York Times bestsellers. Most of the people I coach, no, their life wasn't planned out at all. It was a fortuitous blend of a few things. One is called luck. And by the way, any successful person that doesn't think they're lucky is awfully arrogant. A lot of it is just pure, stupid luck. Uh, another variable is they work hard, they're smart. And then timing, they just happen to get some great opportunities at great times. Very seldom is it just some genius who sat there as a child and figured what they wanted to become. Yeah, that's a good point. I wanna go back to the daily question process. Is there, uh, where, where did you learn, like can you explain a little bit more what that is? Is there like a website that prompts these, an app? Like I just think that's fascinating and I loved your, you know, when you were talking about that. Send me an email at marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. I could send you an article about it, but let me give you Six questions I highly recommend. By the way, everyone listening, if you do nothing but ask yourself these six questions every day, you're going to have a better life, number one. Number two, it takes two or three minutes a day. Number three, it costs nothing. And number four, half the people quit in two weeks. And they don't quit because it doesn't work. They quit because it does work. Easy to understand, but hard to do. It takes a lot of courage every day. Question one. Every day, did I do my best to set clear goals? When you wake up in the morning, did you actually set clear goals or did you just get lost? Number two, did I do my best to make progress toward those goals I've set? Number three, every day, did I do my best to be happy? Did I do my best to be happy? Every day, it doesn't say you were happy. Did you try to be happy? Number four, did I do my best to find meaning in my life every day? Number five, did I do my best to build positive relationships with other people? And then finally, number six, did I do my best to be fully engaged? Every day, ask yourself these six questions to begin with the phrase, did I do my best to? And why are these questions so important? They get us to focus on the one thing in life we can control. What's that? Ourselves. Now, again, easy theory. It's a very humbling practice. Over COVID, I did this with these 60 amazing people. Every week, they would daily report card, then they'd turn in their scores for the week. <laughs> if you read their bios, you'd think they're all a second coming of God. You, you, <laughs> those you, you read those weekly report cards, they're not so pretty. They're just as human as everybody else. Which one of these questions is the hardest for executives? Uh, you know, I'd say, did I do my best to be happy? 
The average person I work, let me give you an example. Three of the smartest people I've met, and David, you've met a couple of these. One of them is Dr. Jim Kim, simultaneous MD and PhD with honors from Harvard in anthropology in five years. A normal person takes eight years to get an anthropology in Harvard. He got one in five years with honors and got an MD at the same time. Went on to be president of Dartmouth College, head of the World Bank. He's one of our 100 coaches. Uh, and Dr. John Northworthy, another member of our 100 coaches, uh, you know, Dr. Noseworthy, CEO of the Mayo Clinic, and Raj Shaw, a third member of our group, also a medical doctor, head of the USAID at 37, reported to Hillary Clinton. So three of the smartest people I ever met, all medical doctors. I asked him this question, on an average day, how would you score and did I do my best to be happy? They all had the same answer. Never dawned on me to be happy. Never dawned on me to try to be happy. Now they're all medical doctors. I said, did it dawn on you you're going to die? Did they cover that in medical school? <laughs> and I said, yep. They cover that death thing in medical school. They don't know if you're going to die. I said, you think this is a silly question? I said, no. It's a very important question I forgot to ask. Beautiful. As you can tell, the gold standard is set by Marshall Goldsmith, and I'm blessed to have him in my life and to be one of those hundred with him. The lessons that I've learned are very simple. To do my best every day at asking those questions, to learn lessons by asking those questions, and to be happy by asking those questions. So do your best, learn lessons, and have fun. Marshall Goldsmith, thank you for honoring us, the legends of legends, here on Office Hours.